Everyone in content knows the feeling of being less than happy with a piece of content that they've just made. But that feeling, unfortunately, doesn't always stop there. You might even feel it at a critical career juncture. Enter Perfectly Content, the podcast. I'm your host, Adri Smith, content strategist at Folian. Every episode, we'll be joined by a guest to explore a real-life scenario where they tackle a content challenge and that nagging feeling of less than perfection. We'll hear about impactful content, stronger strategies, and more inspiring brands so that we can all become a little more perfect and more content. Today, I'm joined by Tom Hitch. He's working as the head of content at Okja. I've actually been following Tom for quite a while now on LinkedIn, and that's the reason he's here today. He's not posting the same kind of stuff as everyone else is, and that's what really is special and breaks up my LinkedIn feed. He's posting a lot of stuff on real estate, beautiful office designs. Really, he's a must-follow, and he is doing something right because it's definitely caught my attention. So welcome, Tom. Really excited to have you here today. Thanks very much. And thanks for a very warm intro. Makes me feel good about what I'm doing. Thanks very much. All right. So let's get started. So I know you, of course, but our audience doesn't. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you're doing at Oxford at the moment? Well, yeah, obviously you touched on it already in terms of the stuff that I post around office design and workplace and a bit of property stuff as well. But I guess really with what I do like a, a niche-ish sort of industry. It's quite, I guess it's like to, to London, but obviously it goes throughout the UK, but about people working in offices. So the past couple of years has been quite interesting for us because obviously the whole thing got kind of thrown on its head. So it's been perfect for, for content really. But I guess like my background is more sort of signed out in, with a degree in English literature. I was doing blogging and then slowly worked through marketing roles within these companies to where I am now. But yeah, it's been a bit of a wild ride because I guess with this sort of thing, there's no real like clear path to where you go. You make your own path. So far, so good. Like I say, it has helped that we've had basically two years of everyone being affected by work from home, looking at offices and what the workplace is, all that sort of stuff. So it has been like the perfect storm. But yeah, it, I find it super interesting. I've, I really enjoy what I do. And yeah, I guess I never would have said that I would have gone into doing this sort of job like five years ago when I was finishing up my English degree. Here I am. I think it goes for a lot of us, to be honest, uh, especially if you work in content. I know very few content marketers who actually studied anything marketing related. So it's really mostly about telling a, a, a good story. Yeah, absolutely. I think pe people do say about storytelling quite a lot, I think, mm. and I think when I try and to talk to people about that is what I go back to. I do think that kind of means different things to different people. Like I think some people maybe don't really understand the the crux of what you're trying to get to when you talk about that. But I, I totally agree. I think a lot of it is just about communication, storytelling, really weaving something that people can feel emotionally attached to or something that they can really buy into rather than just either really unengaging content or communications or just information that just really doesn't grab you. Yeah, I don't know. It's an interesting one. As you say, you don't really study it. I think some people are obviously naturally quite good at it, but I think also just the way that now, I guess the way we consume content, the way like obviously mobile phones, it's massively changed that and the way mm. that 
social media platforms have changed and the way that we, you know, there's loads of things to say on this. So I won't say it all now, but you know <laughs> what I mean? It's, the, it's everything has changed in that realm. So I think it's still evolving. I think that more people now are just good at it because that's what they do in their spare time. So yeah. We're all storytellers to some degree or another, but I won't go into storytelling. Let's dive into your current role at Octra. Could you give us a broad perspective of what you're up to? Yeah. So I actually literally started this a month ago today. Pretty, still pretty fresh in terms of this role. So whilst I know a lot of it, I guess I'm still trying to figure it out. So I think within our industry of design build, I think where I'm at now, we've got a really strong team and there's a lot of very talented people within the marketing team. So over time, I think it'll be a bit easier to like put my stamp on things, but ultimately it's a marketing function and content obviously plays, plays a part in that. There's almost two sides to it, I guess, in my head is you've got the more traditional side and then you have like the digital side, which as I say, it's very strong. So we're working on things that I guess you would probably expect. So things like case studies and blogs and articles and events and really anything that falls under marketing, to be honest, it's not a complete depart from a, like an, a regular marketing function where it's different is because of the industry, because of the types of things that we're doing, that's where the opportunities come up. So mm. there's some stuff which I am working on, which I can't really talk about because I don't really want to do a Tom Holland and give spoilers away and then get told off for it. Like when I get back to the <laughs> office. So there's some stuff that is, I guess we're doing that is a little bit different and is a bit is new for the industry, which I think is really cool. cool and that's coming out soon. And yeah, I think ultimately my, my strength is probably more in sort of video content, perhaps social media content, obviously LinkedIn, like you mentioned at the start is where you discovered me anyway. So that's yeah. what I like to do. But there, as I say, there is a very broad look at, as I say, all the way through from what you would expect in a regular marketing team, all the way through to things that are a little bit more niche within our industry. So right. yeah, it is pretty broad and it's pretty fun. So yeah, I say four, four weeks in, I'm, I'm enjoying it. And like I say, I guess I'm still trying to really figure out where I put my stamp on things. All right. So you've heard it here. Tom is definitely one to follow on LinkedIn. Let's keep an eye out on what he's next going to drop. And as I said before, already the p content that he's posting is pretty great. Some really nice office designs, um, definitely something to keep you inspired if you're working from home, especially. But let's dive into, yeah, why we're here. We spoke a little bit about how in content marketing, your role can be quite general. And often people who are heading up in those kind of roles end up doing quite a lot of stuff. Could you share a little bit about your particular challenge in this area, Tom? Yeah. One thing which I think I have probably said on other podcasts as well in, over the past couple of years, where <laughs> at the height of lockdown when everyone was doing podcasts, so it's quite nice to be back on one again, actually. But I think the, the big thing was that you touched on this just now of having all of these really cool offices to work in and have these really amazing designs, whether they were big brands that people knew or whether they were boutique businesses that people never heard of, they were still really nice to look at. They were still really cool designs. So that was really where I guess it started. That I guess was the challenge to myself was that, okay, how do I take what I'm doing? How do I make that interesting? And how do I get it out to people? Because I guess that's the other thing we're faced with is a highly competitive industry with all of these company pages pushing out similar sort of stuff. Everyone's got pretty good designers, just 
basically the, the main point of what we do. So for me, it was just about trying to figure out how do I gain an advantage of over those company pages? How do I build something for myself and how do I get better reach? So I think when I actually looked at that, and to be fair, I still do look at that as something that you know, it's not just like you figure it out and then you do it and then that's the end, but it's not, it, that isn't how it goes. But I think the, the biggest thing was confidence. No one has ever heard of, no one knows what I do. How do I start like just becoming this person ultimately, which I think a lot of people probably do face. I've spoken to people from various industries, other people that have followed me and other things like that have said, oh, you know, how do I do this? How do I do it? And so much of it is this overcoming your own fears or your own challenges. So I guess by deciding I wanted to do it, I also created my own challenge, which seems a bit like existential, but you get what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I guess sometimes you have to create your own challenges in order to feel like you're actually progressing. Otherwise, I would have just not have been doing anything on LinkedIn for the past years and I wouldn't be on this podcast and I probably wouldn't be the head of content. So all of those things, you know, gets you somewhere. Yeah, precisely. All of those things might not have been at the core of my goal at the start, but obviously are the output of getting myself started, getting myself confidence. And yeah, basically that I would say was honestly the challenge. Quite basic. There were some other things as well, which I probably, I think we'll probably come onto a bit later on, but it was that initial thing of going, how do I start from having not even a thousand followers on LinkedIn to being able to post four or five times a week without even thinking about it? Obviously, yeah. there's a lot of stuff within the middle of that. I find where I am now, like I'm pretty comfortable and confident with it. But yeah, I guess for a lot of people, they look at it and think, oh, wow, that's so good. I still do that with the people I follow. Yeah, anyway, before I like waffle on too much, that was basically how it all began. Yeah, so at the moment, um, I think there are a lot of conversations going around in the content community about imposter syndrome. And I think that's a little bit of what we're talking about right now. It's something that can really creep up in you and can really question your own confidence. But it can even continue on into when you're more successful and you've really actually found your niche. So I'm wondering, and I think other people are wondering, is how can you actually get over it? I'm curious to hear your thoughts. I think it is different for everyone. I don't want to say I was lucky because I, I don't think it was necessarily that. But when I went into it, I didn't have any pressure on myself to, I wasn't trying to fund my business. I wasn't trying to use my LinkedIn content to finance my income. It was really something aside that I could go into. So I get for other people that it's probably slightly more pressure on this working, but I think I quickly realized that I, by doing this, I could learn a lot just by getting my own data. Okay. What works, what people are reacting to, what style of content is working for people, all that sort of stuff is really helpful. Something that I then learned through the process, if you want to call it that, again, I want to make it clear that it's still a process. You don't just get to the end of it, but you have to basically realize that it's a, it's like a slow game. Like you can't just immediately go, okay, cool. I've done one post. Great. I'm going to, I'm going to get an order or someone's going to buy something off me, or I'm going to get 10,000 followers from one post. Like it's like a real slow, progressive, gradual change, which I think at the start I was like, oh, this is, this has to work and I have to get this. But over time you just become less attached to things and you just become a bit more like realistic about what you're trying to do. So I think those things are like quite important too. And then also as well, what, like you mentioned there, the community side of things is yes, there's like competitive, like competing people and competing figures, mm. but most people are 
pre-approachable. Also the fact that you can just go and see what other people are doing. So you don't even need to have to necessarily speak to these people, but go and find things that you find interesting, go and follow people that you might think you can learn something from. And eventually some of those people that I followed then started messaging are people now that I could literally ring up and be like, can you help me with this? Or do you know someone that can, I don't know, whatever, like their actual friends or like proper contacts now. So I think that's the other yeah. thing is that immersing yourself in, in that, um, community really it's again I, I don't i think when i talk about some of this stuff I, th- I always think that it sounds like quite basic and quite obvious but i think for some there's no there's not always this like really like clear-cut way of getting to certain places i, I still think that it's going to come down to the individual but really taking the time to learn and see what that means and and what that means to you having patience to not just expect overnight results and then also just really immersing yourself within it to make sure that the people you're following are the things that you might like to try out one day. And eventually you might even be able to reach out and speak to them. That's really where the discovery to overcome some of the challenges came from was just not being so shy about this stuff. And you just can't pick up confidence as you are doing it. Definitely. I really agree. And I know part of it, as we've spoken about before, is really just about getting started. And not really being so attached to everything that you create or post. And also understanding that it's going to take some time. For you personally, did you have a strategy around this to really get you started? Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it, actually? Because at the time, I probably did have like a lot more primitive personal strategy of just, I want to try this and see where it goes. But mm-hmm. I guess, you know, when we're talking about this is quite exclusively linked to LinkedIn content and social media content rather than the other sides of things. So it's quite drilled down on those sorts, this sort of area, but you've got to look at, okay, like what can I commit to? What do I want the output to be? At the start, it really was, let's just see where I can get to. Can I get an extra hundred followers? Can I get an extra 200 followers? What do I want them to learn from my content? So really just trying to figure out what that was at the time. And then, yeah, I just think over, over the last probably year or so, once I got up a bit of speed. Uh, a bit of confidence. It was just about, okay, how do I make my own sort of niche? How do I carve out some authority to be the person that talks about this? And I I think that's happening and that's getting there. I definitely think that it helped me get this role. I don't think it's it's exclusively why I got this role, but again, I think there's, it's it's a free platform and if you want to go and use it and you just understand, or you have information that you want to get out to people, you understand how to do that in a creative way people will respond to that. So as I say, whether it's a job, whether it's people buying things from you, whatever it might be, it's, it's definitely evolved over time in terms of my own personal purpose. But I think for now, to be fair, now I'm in a new role as well. I'll probably in a couple of weeks, maybe a month or so, actually look at what am I trying to do now? What is my goal with doing this? Because there are times where you get to and think, am I now just falling foul to putting out content for the sake of it. And I think mm, that's when yeah. you should always bring yourself twice. back in. So I think with, with this change, it's probably helped me to get me to where I am. And now I need to re-innovate again and think of something new and figure out, okay, do I need to change the type of content? Do I need to change the formats? All that sort of stuff. I think just re-strategize. But yeah, at the start, I purely was just a case of, I want to get involved with this. I don't know what it is right now. So I'm going to throw myself out there and just see what happens. So I guess at the very beginning, it's a non 
strategy. You're just really there to see what works and then refine it at a later stage. So you're basically reverse engineering the way that you create a strategy for this kind of thing, right? No, though, because I think some people, particularly at the beginning, it depends who you speak to as well, because obviously there's a lot of experts and some people that call themselves experts that aren't necessarily, in my opinion, experts. However, that's a different story for <laughs> time, is that people will say, oh, you have to have a really clear plan, a really clear strategy. You have to know all these things. You have to be really good at designing content. You have to be really well spoken if you're going to do videos. You have all of this sort of stuff that just mounts pressure on people. And I just don't agree with that. I just don't think that you necessarily need one. If, even if you had a strategy, things are going to change within a period of time. Maybe it's six weeks, maybe it's two months, but that's basically the same amount of time. Let's give another example. Maybe it's <laughs> six weeks, maybe it's two years, but eventually you will need to refine your strategy. So even if you have a perfect one now, it will not be perfect for you once you started doing this stuff. So I, I, again, it's not like I'm a coach on this sort of stuff. I'm still figuring it out for myself, but the people I have spoken to that were trying to get started out, were trying to get into this, were always, oh, how do I do this? What cameras do I buy? What equipment do you use? And literally I use my phone. Yeah. And I edit on Premiere Pro like quite badly. And they're like, oh, wow. I thought it was like you had this and you had that. I was like, no, just get started, figure it out afterwards. Don't try and perfect it before you've even posted like your first video or your first text post, whatever it is. I think that is definitely, I, I, so yeah, basically I don't agree that there's a great, there's a perfect way to start your strategy. I think everyone is just at a different stage with things. So. Yeah, if it works that way around, great. But if you want to really refine it before you start, that's also fine. But I think you will find quite quickly that whatever you're doing, you'll have to change because you'll notice differences pretty pretty straight away. Yeah, no, I really agree with that because I do see a lot of people get really stuck on the strategy phase for far too long. And by the time that their strategy is actually complete, the market has totally changed. Their perspective has totally changed. And then they have to redo it all over again. And they never actually get to the point where they're creating content. I really do think it's better if you know some of the basics, what you want to get out of this, how much time you actually want to put in. But the real biggest thing here is actually just getting started. Yeah, precisely. And just very quickly on that discovery piece, that was something that I really found because I was like putting lots of time into making sliders like the carousels and, and things like that, like little graphics. And I was taking like a week to like finish them off and change colors and move lines and change font size. And I was like, what? And like, no one even cares. There was other posts that I did where I would like, there might be typos in it or something like that. Yeah, sure. I'm not telling people like go and put typos in your post, but honestly, the amount of people that just care about the message that you're putting out there and who you are, and I guess what you're trying to do is far more impressive than if you've chosen the right colors in your graphic, because if it doesn't work on that post, then just change it for the next one. If you just yeah. sit on it and try and perfect it before you post it, then as you say, you'll just never post it. And then all of a sudden you've lost a week, two weeks and things have changed. So yeah, I, yeah, I'm with you on that. I'm, I'm very much like a do like I like mm -hmm. just to go and do stuff and figure out and then figure it out afterwards. But I appreciate everyone's got a different approach on that sort of stuff. I think one thing to note is really that LinkedIn is an informal channel. And it's more focused on message. So, of course, you can focus a lot on the design, the colors, the typography. But ultimately, it's not just an informal channel. It's also a personal channel. Again, like drilling into LinkedIn is like LinkedIn doesn't have an archive of your content. So like you post it and then 
probably within what, 48 hours, maybe slightly longer. Yeah. It's gone again. That's, I guess, another bit of uh, advice on that front. So I really do want to dive into this because I do think it is important. When I first started following you initially, I was not somebody who was really interested in office design or property, yet your content was so appealing and some of it was actually only shot on an iPhone camera. So what's the secret here? How do you actually get somebody who may actually be slightly outside of your target audience to be interested in your content? And maybe that's not even the end goal here, but I do think there is something special about being able to do that. I guess it's access. There's not that many people doing what I do. And even now, there's not that many people. And equally, you would have seen how my stuff has changed over like, mm-hmm. yeah. like the last two years. But I would like to go back to doing some of those things. But obviously, we face quite a lot of challenges with lockdowns and things yeah. like that. So at some point, that will pick back up. But yeah, I, th- I just think it's the access of what is unique about what I do as a role. Like I used to go to a lot of offices, meet a lot of clients, used to be out in London a lot. And just generally, that became a USP for me to be like, okay, cool. I can go and take photos of this. I can make videos of that. And yeah, like the stuff that I share obviously does look good. So that helps, but not all of it's completed office design. Some of it's site, some of it's just being out and about in London, like late at night, early in the morning or whatever's going on. I think it's just giving people that kind of perspective that they don't necessarily have in their job. So I, I, I generally believe it's just access and that was my go-to point was how do I lean on that to make it interesting and I, I guess no to a certain extent as well all right so it triggers curiosity and I think that's awesome that you've really found the cool part of your job and I guess it's all up to us as content people to really trigger that curiosity and really find that uniqueness that is your job right and is what you're doing yeah ex- exactly because you know obviously yes the office designs are great but I appreciate that not everyone is going to have a cool product to share or something that people can go, oh, wow, that's amazing. I think whatever you do, and you can see this in everyone, all of like the really big guys on LinkedIn, like the proper big guys, they just are so in command of what they do and what their offering is. That's why they do so well off of the platform is that they are just so in touch with why people go to them and not someone else. So I think that's really where it comes from. All right, so let's talk about some of the results of finding your niche and actually doing this. I mean, on one hand, your content has become more professional. You've become better at what you do. What other kind of benefits have you experienced since doing this? So I think this is another interesting one because actually, like I touched on before, this is purely extracurricular. I don't like my performance is not based on this. I don't have like... There have been some opportunities that have come up through it in terms of new business, but that again is not really down to me. So to be honest with you, this is just something that I really enjoy doing and I'm I'm just passionate about. I think just that kind of awareness, obviously things are shifting this way anyway. This is what has become and sort of will still be like an important part of marketing and what's going on. But yeah, even like the little things like people saying to me, feel really inspired about seeing your posts or oh, this looks so great thanks for sharing or like whatever like that might seem really trivial and like really basic but again because I'm, I don't have to fund my business or I don't have to put the clothes on my back with my LinkedIn content it's a very different experience for me so I've had some really good wins in that respect and like I say I feel like it's definitely helped with my job and yeah I think it's also just helped me learn how to make good content or what works yeah. what doesn't 
that I guess has probably been the biggest thing. But then also as well, like the comparison between where I am now versus where I was a year, two years ago, three years ago, that I think is something to bear in mind as well. Like it's just, it is a proper slow, long game. Like I could be doing this for God knows how many more years. So to do what I'm doing now might be setting the foundation for what happens in two years time. I'm quite happy with where I'm at and yeah, I just feel like I'm doing exactly what I, what I've just described. That's exactly what I'm doing right now. So I'm very happy with that. All right. Well, thank you so much for taking us through that, Tom. My last question for you is uh, I want you to share with us a piece of content, an idea, an ebook, a person, anything that really changed the way that you look at content today. There's a couple to be fair to mention. I've got five in mind, five people that people can follow, go and find stuff. And there are plenty, but these are the guys that have directly either I've spoken to or I've done courses with them or I've become friends or whatever at various points of help. First of all, you've got a guy called Chris Branch who runs Seed to Branch Marketing. You may have seen their stuff. They are basically like content curation and they've done very well for helping people get content out on their own channels. But the second one is a guy called Dan Knowlton, who runs Knowlton Marketing with his brother Lloyd. Again, he's a bit more in the advertising slash digital realm than Chris is. He's again, spent someone that spent a lot of time with me when I've had questions and yeah, he just knows what he's doing. And then probably more in the video side, there's a guy called Jack Gaysford and there's also a guy called Nick Rayburn. They're both very good at video. They have a very good sort of understanding of how to get certain results and how to create certain types of videos. So I would definitely recommend them. And then also a bit more randomly, but there's a guy called Danny Townley who I've followed for a while. I've spoken to him a couple of times and he's just really top bloke. His feed is really good because he blends a really nice picture of his personal like family life and things he does in his spare time as well as his professional world. So there's like a broad brush of different things there. And I feel like people could do a lot worse than going and checking these people out and seeing if they're right for them because they are all very good at creating certain types of content within their own sort of areas of expertise. And I think that's, they would be the people that I would say are a great place to start just because they all are very good at what they do. All right. Thank you so much for sharing those guys with us. And thanks a lot for joining us today and sharing your, yeah, I guess your journey into finding your niche and creating good content for LinkedIn. It was a really great conversation. Thank you so much. Yeah, hopefully it was helpful. Cheers. All right. Well, that's it for this week's episode of Perfectly Content. Thank you so much for listening. And if you like this episode and want to stay tuned for more, click subscribe wherever you're listening and you'll receive updates on our very next episode. And finally, one last thing, we have an editorial style newsletter that goes out once a week called The Crave. We talk about all of the content that we've been craving this week. And each week it's curated by a different content person from the Folian team. You can check it out at folian.com slash the dash crave. See you there.